0: We made it, right? So, anyway, um, raise your hand if you run sometimes, like once every 10 years. See, more hands went up, right? Right? Uh, yep, that's me. I'm a runner. Maybe a jogger is, is better put. Uh, and I'm self-identifying that because no one else, if they saw my life, would identify me as a runner. But since I ran a couple weeks ago, I think it's fair to say that I'm a runner now. Right? Well, I used to run more. Uh, uh, before CrossFit, I, I ran actually a, a good amount. And one of the runs that marked really the beginning of the running season for me was the Tip Hill Run. Does anybody know the Tip Hill Run? Uh, in the tip, Tipperary Hill area of Syracuse? Yeah, it's at the beginning of March, right before St. Patty's Day, and it's sometimes warm, most of the time freezing. Well, anyway, so this used to be a tradition for me. It no longer is. Maybe, maybe. I'll pray about doing it again someday. But basically, it was a four-mile run through the hills of that west side of Syracuse. Okay, raise your hand if you like running through hills. Less. Oh, we have a couple running. Steve, you're gonna, I love it, man. Right? So uh, hills bring a whole different dynamic to running. Okay, so, well, here's a tip hill run in a nutshell, right? Up and down, up and down. Uh, not too bad though, and then all of a sudden at mile two and a half, you hit the bottom of the hill. The hill in the tip hill run. Okay, so it's freezing, you're tired physically, and now you get to the bottom of the hill. Now, I don't know about you, but I've got a two and a half mile threshold where I'm doing great, but then something happens at 2.5. You can see I'm frustrated about it. Something happens at 2.5. Well, every time I do this race, that hill starts at guess what mile? 2.5. So here I am at the bottom of the hill, and it becomes for me the ug moment of early spring, really middle of winter for Syracuse. Right? It's the ug moment. I'm tired. I'm weak. I'm depleted. And to be honest, I'm scared to death of this hill. Hills scare me because of the pain and suffering that comes with the hill. And in that moment, as I've just ran past Coleman's and Nibsey's, I'm saying to myself, maybe I stop. Maybe this is good enough. Right? Enough is enough. Two and a half miles is, I mean, that's respectable. Right? How many people actually ran two and a half miles today? Not that many people ran two and a half. I mean, I'm way ahead of the game at two and a half. All the psychology comes in. But really what's happening is, in that moment, at the bottom of the hill, I'm saying to myself, I'm not going to make it. Not going to make it. I'm asking the question, looking up at this hill, feeling all the surrounding conditions, exhausted, looking at better options along the way, and I'm realizing, I'm not going to make it. Happens to me every single time. right? I'm not going to cross the finish line. Um, To feel that exhaustion and depletion and fear as you are at the bottom of the hill wondering if you're ever going to make it. That's a physical reality in running and also a spiritual reality in the life of faith. In the midst of the journey, in the midst of the hills, the trials, the struggles, we can feel tired, we can feel weak, we can feel scared. We can feel depleted and we can begin to wonder in the midst of this arduous journey, are we really going to make it? The end feels so far off. The task of getting there and completing this journey seems insurmountable. It seems impossible because of what we feel. And in this moment, we kind of go back and forth between a looking down in despair and a looking up. Wondering if anyone or anything, or, or any person cares enough to help. Will there be any resource available to me to make it to the end? What do I have to pull from? What, what bucket of energy, right? What, what resource is available for me to make it? When our marriages struggle, and it seems to be the theme these days, and it's recurring over and over again, When our marriages struggle, when we are in despair, when we are discouraged, when we can never seem to resolve conflict, we can wonder, will we ever make it to the end? When our job seems so meaningless, pointless, boring, unfulfilling, we can wonder, are we actually going to make it to the end? Are we just going to call it quits? Because you can't, as much as I often ponder at times, you can't retire at 38. You can quit at 38. But you can't retire at 38, or at least not if you're normal, right? Are you going to make it? What about when your family's in strife and, and discord and there's conflict and there's, and there's anger and there's outbursts and you feel like, I can't do it anymore. I can't make it through this. I'm not going to make it to the finish line. What about temptation, right? Temptation can be so intense. Sin in the world, which is just bombard. we're bombarded with temptation and sin all the time. It's so enticing. Maybe it's a better way. Maybe we turn back. Maybe we stop and just enjoy this. As sin entices us. And when circumstances just get to be too much. Too overwhelming. The next step seems so difficult. We can wonder. Are we ever going to make it? That's... What the life of faith can feel like. Threatened. There's dangers all around. There's sin in us. There's sin around us. Are we really going to make it to glory someday? That's the burning question that is raised this morning. That I think the, the passage we're looking at addresses head on. To reassure us of what God has for us. Psalm 121. Grab your Bibles. Grab your phones. Whatever device, thing in your hand, you need to look at the screens, do so. But do not turn your attention away from the Word of God. Because the Word of God is going to speak directly to you in this situation. There are so many people and and issues and, and situations in the midst of this body that this is going to apply to. So put your attention on the Word of God today and listen to what He says. Psalm 121 says this, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Verse 5, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. This is the Word of God. Amen. All God's people said, Amen. This is the truth. This is the Word of God. He says, I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? The psalmist is feeling... the the arduous nature of the journey to Jerusalem or some would say the psalmist has made it to Jerusalem the worship and festivities have concluded and now he's heading back okay so it's there's debate as to whether he's on his way to Jerusalem and he's concerned or whether he is on his way out of Jerusalem headed back whatever the case may be it doesn't really matter right because there in his mind, there is a sense of inadequacy. He needs assistance. He needs help. He's looking up to the hills. He's looking around at the terrain. He's he's got vision and anticipation of what life is like and what it will be like. And he's asking the question, where does my help come from? This idea of help just means assistance. Right? Someone is needed to act In such a way to supply what is needed. The psalmist feels inadequate. He doesn't have all the resources necessary to be safe on his journey and make it to his destination. You see, that requires humility, right? It requires humility and true understanding of the world in which we live. To look out and recognize that I can't do it on my own. That I need help. Right, men, we struggle with this the most, don't we? Whether we want to admit it or not, I need help. Really? No, I'm good. Right, I don't need directions. Come on, ladies, you can laugh. Right, it's it's cliche because it happens. Okay, right, I don't need directions. I got this. I can figure this out. I don't need. uh, I remember my my father. He's, he's just he just gets-it-done kind of guy. And, he, and I would always beg him, Dad, how come you never ask me for help? And he's like, well, I mean, you? I'm like, well, good point. But still, uh, you know, ask me for help. And he's like, no, I, I got this. There's something manly about not wanting to admit that you need help. right? That's just part of the nature of who we are. It's hard to say I'm sorry. It's hard to look out for other people to come alongside us and say, man, I'm not going to make it if I don't have someone to come alongside of me. If I don't have a partner, if I don't have assistance, if I don't have somebody else's resources provided to me, I'm not going to make it. If someone doesn't guide me and direct me, I'm going to get lost. But honestly, I don't think this is really an issue that is just simply tied to, to men. I don't think it's just a masculine problem. I think... That a refusal and a stubbornness to admit that help is needed, that I can't do it on my own, is a common problem in the human predicament, right? In fact, as I counsel people, as I counsel couples, as I sit across the table and hear from people, I often hear that kind of overtone in people. I'll figure it out. I know what I'm doing. I just need to do X, Y, and Z, and then everything will be fine. Right? Just try harder and do a little bit better on my own. And every single time you want to look at them and say, no, you need help and you need help from God. And I feel it in myself too. There's this spiritual heart condition resistance that says, no, I won't ask for help from God. It's pride. I can do this on my own. And some of you may be in that place today. You don't really identify with the psalmist who says, listen, I need help. You may be saying to yourself, I'm doing just fine, thank you. I'm going to make it just fine on my own. And if I need any help, I definitely don't need any help from God. Right? And some of you are living a life that's trying to prove to God that you don't need God. Right? Right? I've I've often confessed that one of the the issues of my own heart has been trying to prove to my Father in Heaven what I can do for Him. And you know what? It's a waste of time to try to prove to God what you can do for Him and then maybe show Him someday what you are able to do. It's a twisted understanding of our relationship with God. It's, It's warped. But I wonder if some of you are doing the same thing. Some of you are chasing after approval and acceptance and you're trying to show God what you can do for Him instead of crying out with your knees bent and saying, God, I'm not going to make it without your abiding assistance and help. But that's what the psalmist says, right? The psalmist reminds himself of the source of his help. He says, it's the Lord that is my help. I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Do you know that today? Whatever issue you're facing, whatever challenge, whatever hill you're looking up to and saying, I'm never going to make it there. Do you know that the Lord is your assistance and your help? He's not your servant that you just tell Him what to do. No, He's your help. He's your God. You are fully dependent and reliant upon Him for everything in this life. My help comes from the Lord. The maker of heaven and earth. So what the Psalmist is saying to himself and to us is that we have the help that we need. It is the Lord that is your helper. And because the Lord is your helper, you are adequately supplied. You may be feeling right now, feeling, feeling right now that you don't have all that is necessary for you to continue to trod along in the journey of faith. You may feel like you don't have the resources that are required to take that next step, but what the psalmist is saying is, is that if you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you have all the help that you need to take the next step in faithful obedience to Him. Is that not wonderful? You have all the help that you need. You see, feelings are false prophets, lying to you telling you some alternative reality but it is the lord that is your help the lord that is your assistance that is supplying all that you need to take the next step towards your god-ordained destination someone say amen to that that's reassuring for me i don't know about you but when i feel despair and discouragement and depletion And I read this, I recognize, I look up to the hills, it seems so far off, it seems so lofty. Where am I going to get help? How am I going to make it? I recognize it is only through Jesus, the Lord Himself, and that He's there for me every step of the way. Receive that as encouragement to you, O weary, depleted, fearful disciple. The Lord is your helper, and He has supplied for you adequately adequately supplied, you are all those who have relationship with God through Jesus Christ. What a wonderful truth for us today. And really this is the nature of the Gospel. I say that if you have a relationship with God through Christ, and I can't skip over this. It must be stated, right? Why do we know ultimately that God is our helper, that He has provided what we need? Because that's the great story of the Bible. That God has provided all that we need in Jesus Christ, right? And really the thing that we as sinners should be most concerned about is that one day we stand before a holy and righteous God and we have our sin that is condemning us before Him. And the thing that we should be most concerned about is how will we escape the wrath and judgment of Almighty God? How am I going to make it on Judgment Day? How am I going to stand before a holy and righteous God Well, this is how. By trusting in and receiving God's provision, His help, in His Son, Jesus Christ. Right? There's no other God like this who sees our desperate need, salvation from His judgment, and then provides Himself, His Son, Jesus Christ, to meet that need who helps us in our most poignant position of need salvation from his judgment that's the greatest threat to you in eternity is the judgment and wrath of a holy God and the wonderful news of the gospel is that God did not leave you in that condition that vulnerable place where you in grave danger where Satan looked at you and accused you and said sinner condemned no He didn't leave you in that condition but he sent his son Jesus Christ into the world to die in our place hang on a tree to be crucified so that we might receive the righteousness of God and then spared and saved from his wrath and welcomed into his family you see these promises of help and the promises of keeping which we're going to talk about next they're all for those who know God through Jesus Christ those who have received him and trusted in him so if you're here today i can't give you any false sense of assurance that god is going to look after the intricacies of your life he's not going to help you at all if you proudfully uh pridefully reject his greatest offer in jesus christ because the scriptures teach that god opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So if you're here today and you're saying, I don't need Jesus, I'll figure it out some other way, the text says, God opposes the proud. But if you're here today and you say, yes, I need Jesus Christ. I need God's help, His assistance to save me from His wrath. Here's the wonderful news, He provides it. And you now have a relationship with Him. You are reconciled to Him. And you are saved from His wrath, Welcome into His family, and now you can begin to say, yes, this promise of help, this promise of assistance, is mine to hold on to. So do you know Jesus? Do you trust Jesus? If so, He is your help. Right? And here's the most astounding thing that is mind-boggling to me. Mind-boggling. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You see, there's a, a view of God out there that's historic, that He made everything and then He left it to its own accord. That He's detached, that He's absent from the affairs of men, women, and children. But the scriptures tell us that the very same God that made heaven and made earth is the same God that is available. That God, that kind of power that kind of authority that speaks the world into existence is the same God that cares about how you feel on Monday morning, that knows the struggles you face, and He is there to assist and to help and to love and to care for you. Yes, even you. Inconceivable for us who are so overwhelmed, I can't take anymore, I can't handle anymore, I can't put this on my shoulders. There's only so much I can take, is what we feel, right? Ha! That's not our God. I can make heaven and earth, and I can deal with your struggle today. Every one of them. None of it is too difficult for me. I, uh, my arms are not too short to save. My shoulders are not too small to carry The the pains and struggles and circumstances, no matter how big they feel to you, they are so dealable to God. God can handle it. Amen? The God who made heaven and earth cares and is available to help you in your need. So name that need. Name that struggle. Name that fear. And then name that Lord who is here to be your help. Amen? The Lord is your helper. And you are therefore adequately supplied in Jesus Christ. The question becomes, how does he help? How does he help? Well, the Lord helps us by keeping us. You say, well, where do you get that? Well, the psalmist basically yells it from the rooftops, the rest of the psalm. Six times, right, you see this word keeping. Keeping, if you miss it the first time, I'm going to say it again. Right, So the repeated phrase is trying to hammer home to us, how does the Lord help us? Well, He keeps us. He causes a state or condition to remain. He watches over us. He looks after us every step. And it is very protective in nature. Someone who keeps something looks after it. Watches over it, guides it, and protects it. That is what the Lord is. The Lord is your keeper, verse 5. He is not only your helper, the Lord is your keeper. How am I going to make it, you ask? The Lord is going to keep your life. That's how you're going to make it. We know this famous blessing in the scriptures, right? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord uh, make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. This was the blessing that the Lord wanted Aaron to give to the people of Israel. Put my name upon them. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Because he understood that without the Lord blessing and keeping, there was great danger spiritually, physically, every aspect. They were vulnerable without the Lord's blessing and keeping activity. So what he's saying is if you are in a relationship with God through Christ, the Lord is going to help you by keeping you. You can rest assured that the Lord will watch over you, protect you, and keep you. He says this, our feet will not slip. Verse 3, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber or sleep. First of all, your feet will not slip in this life. I was uh, at physical therapy this week for my silly shoulder issue that I have. And uh, I was there with a three pound weight asking, why Lord? Why? And uh, I was looking across the room and there was an older gentleman that clearly had something with his knee and or his hip. And there was this way that he was working on this and rehabilitating it. And he had like four cones set up, right? And so he would, he would have to lift this uh, uh, hip and foot over the cone. And then do it again, right? Four times. Obviously working on range of motion and strength and all of that. But... He wasn't steady on his feet, right? So he's having to lift over the top of the cone, wasn't steady on his feet. And the therapist did something to keep him. She wrapped a, looked like an oversized karate belt almost, kind of tied it in the front. And she kept her hand on the back of this belt as he walked. And he was unstable, but he never fell, right? And so it became for me an illustration of the exact way that the Lord is keeping us in our journey. Right? We are walking, right? And we are vulnerable to slipping. We are weakened at times. But the Lord keeps us by holding on to us. He will not let our foot slip. Amen. Right? There are potholes everywhere in life and we will stub our toe at times but we will not fall flat on our face in our walk of faith. Why? Not because you have what it takes because God holds you by His hand. He will not let your foot slip. Okay? Amen to that. The Lord keeps us from falling. His eyes will not shut. Right, Every night I walk through the house And I make sure that every window is locked. I've shut every single door. I even do the little emergency thing at the bottom of the slider, right? I lock the door. I lock the car doors. I close the blinds. And then I go upstairs, and guess what I do? Forget about everybody and just go to bed. I'm tired. I'm not going to stay up all night and watch over this. I'm not going to do it. But I will lock the doors because I want to protect my children, right? Here's the wonderful thing about God never goes to bed on us. God never goes to bed on us. He's always watching. His eyes never close in His watching to make sure that we are safe and protected from any thwarts of the enemy. Isn't that a wonderful thing? We can rest at night in this life of faith because He will not rest in our, as He watches over our journey of faith, right? He never gets tired. He never wears out. He never closes his eyes. He is like the watchman in Ezekiel that stands at the wall of the city of the people of God and says, nothing will come and endanger my people. His eyes will not close. That is a wonderful promise. His hand will protect us from evil as we go out, right? The the sun will not strike you by day. The moon will not strike you by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. A sermon by James Montgomery Boyce uh, talks about a missionary. Some of you may know this missionary's name, David Livingstone. He was a missionary to Africa. And prior to leaving to go to Africa uh, and present the gospel there, he spent some time praying and worshiping with his mother and his father. And in their prayers and in their worship, guess what scripture passage, as he was about to venture out on this dangerous journey, guess what scripture passage they sang and they recited and they prayed over David Livingstone. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. When God calls and sends a man, he protects him. When God calls and sends a woman, He protects her right from any and all danger. Does this mean that nothing bad will ever happen to us? Does this mean that we can escape all trial, tribulation, even physical death? No! It does not mean that. But guess what it does mean? That Satan and the, uh, even our own sin, our own weaknesses, do not really leave us vulnerable to being, uh, do not leave us vulnerable, we will not be crushed by Him, we will not be stolen away by Him, but it is the Lord that is constantly looking over our life, protecting us from evil, that we are secure in His hand. Next, I think we can see that as this is a journey psalm, that we can rest assured that the Lord will bring us wherever He has ordained us to go. How are we going to make it, is the fundamental question. Well, the Lord is going to bring us there. Period. End of story. Philippians chapter 1. I'm sure of this. That He who began a good work in you will carry it, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. You may be wondering, even in your walk of faith, will I really be faithful to the end? Will I make it? Will I stand before Jesus faithful? Will I walk away from Him? Will I doubt Him to the degree that I walk away from Him? How am I going to make it? Well, the Scriptures teach us, He's going to bring us there. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. He will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. He will bring you home and He will keep you home, is the promise of the Gospel. So if you're wondering, how am I going to make it? The answer is simple. He's going to bring you there. You're not going to finally figure out how to do it on your own someday. If anything, the more we walk by faith, the more weak we realize that we are. And the more in need we are of the hope of Jesus Christ, the more we need to be filled with the Spirit and resource from heaven because the more we walk the life of faith, we recognize how deep and rooted our sin is and how vast and glorious is the help, assistance, and the Son of God. So the only way you are going to make it is that Jesus, the Lord, is going to bring you there. The saving grace is a grace that sustains you to the end. That is what the Scriptures teach. True saving grace will sustain you to the day of Jesus Christ. And it is the work of God. He saved you when He declared you righteous. He's saving you as He's purifying you each step of the way, and He will save you when you stand before Him in glory. It is all the work of God. He keeps you to the end. Such a glorious gospel. And at the age of 38, I have to confess, I might not even be technically middle-aged yet, I did say I was dead at thir- half dead at 30, I mean I am half dead now, being silly of course. But I spend more time than I used to looking back, reflecting. My 20s were all about someday, someday we will, right? Even into my 30s, someday we will, as I am approaching 40. There's a lot of these conversations with Doreen at night. Remember when? Remember when? Right? So, as you ask the question, how will I make it? I wonder if we can find the answer by looking back. How did I ever make it? Here. Right? How did I ever make it to this place? How did I get here? Right? It's The same, how will I get there? God brought me here. God kept me here. God watched over me. He protected me. He guided me all the way here. And now, I can look forward and predict, based on past faithfulness and the truth of the Bible, well, if He brought me here, surely He can get me there. So I wonder if it wouldn't be helpful for you who are weary and doubting, and concerned, and depleted, to look back on seasons of faithfulness in God. Remember the the days in which His grace and His goodness was clear and obvious and ever flowing in the midst of a season of the wilderness or the valley, wondering, how am I going to make it? How am I going to make it there? Well, the same way you got here, that's how you're going to make it. Because the Lord is your Helper, you are adequately supplied, and because the Lord is your keeper, you are eternally safe. That's what the psalm is saying to us today. So if you're depleted, and you're wrestling and you're struggling, you're barely holding on, it's okay. God is holding you. The Lord is holding you. A couple weeks back, Jeremy and Mike Becker and myself were at the 9 Marks Weekender Conference, and there are a lot of moments that you will never forget. But there was one, uh, having lunch at Mark Devers' house after the worship service, uh, about 40 of us in the room, somebody asked him the question, how can I pray for you? Mark Devers, the pastor of Capitol Hill Baptist Church how can we pray for you and um, I'll never forget his answer he just said pray that we are faithful to the end and I thought well jeepers I'm a goof right I'm like pray we can get that church planted in Beeville pray we can get some money to probably pray that we're faithful to the end such maturity and such Bible centeredness this is our calling right? To trod. To trod through our lives faithfully, trusting in the Lord, taking the next step. We think about the whole journey sometimes, it can be overwhelming, but what about the next step? Can we take another step toward faithfulness in our trust of the Lord? That's what this Psalm really is, right? Last week was a lament. This stinks. This is a song of trust. This may stink. This may look bleak. But our God is faithful. And our God is trustworthy. And we can know that He will help us and keep us and bring us to His ordained place. Heaven with Him. And nothing can threaten that. Amen? He will Hold me fast. That was a song we sang at Capitol Hill Baptist that morning. We're going to sing it. The band's going to come forward now. We're going to sing it together. I want it to be a prayer for each one of you. as you think about where you are in this life, what you're wrestling with, what you're struggling with what seems insurmountable. As your eyes are looking down due to despair or being lifted up to the heavens, looking for someone or something to come alongside me, to walk with me, to care about me, to help me, to give me the resources I need to be faithful as you are looking up to the hills. Let this song be a song of trust, just like Psalm 121, where we can know the Lord is our helper and our keeper, that we are adequately supplied at all times and we are eternally safe In His hands. He will hold me fast. Let that be your confession today. Let that be the thing that you hold on to. That He will hold you. And I'm going to read. The first stanza. He says. This is a hymn written long ago. By Ada Habershon. When I fear. My faith will fail Christ will hold me fast when the tempter would prevail he will hold me fast I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path for my love is often cold. He must hold me fast. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. For my Savior loves me so. He will hold me fast. You see, this helping and this keeping is really other words for loving. He loves you. The Savior loves you. Jesus loves you. Yes, the maker of heaven and earth loves you. He cares for you. He's with you. He will hold you fast. Let's sing that together. Can we just stand and sing? Go right into that.